Well, hello and welcome to episode 42 of the RTE Soccer Podcast. We have a lot to get through today on today's pod. We will, of course, be looking back at the extra Dotty FEI Cup semi-finals on Friday evening. And with another narrow defeat of Longford Town on Saturday, Shamrock Rovers are urging even closer to that 19th title. And with the results over the weekend, the European spots and relegation playoff spot look like they'll go down to the wire. We'll also be speaking to Karen Duggan ahead of a massive game for the women's national team away in Finland. And of course, we'll touch on the results across the water in the English Premier League. And I'm happy to report I'm joined by two players who have enjoyed lifting both the league and FEI trophies, Gary Rogers and Graeme Gardland. How are you doing, lads? How are you, James? You OK? Very good, thanks, James. That's good, that's good, lads. So let's get straight into it. And we'll start with the game in Richmond Park on Friday night between St. Pat's and Dundalk. If you're going to get into a cup final, you may as well do it in style. Billy King got the home side start on the 26th minute for only a season's marksman, Pat Hoban, to draw the side's 11-41. But two excellent finishes in the second half from Manny Smith in the 57th minute and Dara Burns in the 86th saw St. Pat's into the cup final with an impressive 3-1 win. Before we talk to the lads, let's get some reaction from the goal scorer, 19-year-old Dara Burns, and he was speaking to my old pal Adrian Eames after the game. Dara, first of all, uh, congratulations. Congratulations on a great night for Pats and a great night for yourself uh, with the clinching goal the third in the end. But first of all, what does it mean for Pats to be back in the cup final? You'll be in line now to play in your first ever cup final at the Aviva. Yeah, please God, it's a, it's, it's a long time coming, I think, for the fans and obviously the manager and, and the, the rest of the staff and the players are all buzzing. We're all looking forward to it now, but it's, it, I think it's next one, the 28th, is it? 28th, 28th, of, yeah. 28th of November. So we have a few league games and so we'll focus on that, but... We're going to the Aviva. I was in watching the Ireland match la- la- last week and I was just thinking I could be here next month, so I'm just glad it's came through. You are going to be there on the yeah, 28th. Yeah. And you're going to have to get the, the suit and all that oh, suited and booted? A nice uh, slim fit, a nice, nice <laughs> uh, short, nice tie and all that. I'm looking forward. That's all part of the build-up, isn't it? But, no, I think the boys worked their socks off, to be honest with you. And just when I seen the ball going over the keyboard, I just ran over my family behind the goal as well. So my mates, I think, ran onto the pitch. It was mad. So no, it was a great night all around. Thank God. Yeah, and as well as that uh, terrific goal that you scored, you also set up Matty Smith for his goal as well. It was a terrific through ball. Yeah, no, what, if, if you see it back, it's actually a great move by Matty, to be fair. And what a finish. He, he rattled into the top corner. I just put in his pat and thankfully hit the back of the neck. I think before that, it could have went anyway. One all, it was in the melting pot, but to get the second, if I made to get the second, me to get the third, kind of wrapped it up, and I'm just delighted. I'm looking forward to it now, to be honest. And for you, at just 19 years of age, what a season you've had so far. Yeah, but the season isn't over yet. Uh, I'm, I'm delighted how we played and how the group have got on this season. But as you said, one more step to get our hands on the trophy. And we've, we've big league games. We want to finish as high up the table as we can. But personally, I'm doing well. But the team have been absolutely brilliant. Yeah, and you've knocked out the holders. And now, of course, it's going to be an all Dublin final. It's Pats, who haven't been in the final since 2014, and Bowles, who haven't been in the final since the late 2000s. Yeah. It's going to be an occasion to savour with the fans getting out on the big day. Yeah, and I think because uh, of the cover over the last couple of years, they weren't fans weren't allowed to go to the last cup final. So we'll bring our good support, and we'll bring we'll bring thousand balls, we'll bring bring their bring their pack of fans. So it's all set to be a good game. Hopefully, uh, we can get the win. But as we said, we'll focus on other games, and we'll be ready when this when that comes around. Lads, it's great to hear him. So such a young lad, looking forward to such a big game. But uh, the one thing to take from that is um, skinny suit or not a skinny suit. What what did you two guys go for when you was going for cup finals? Graham. We didn't have a choice, I don't think. I think uh, Paul picked everything for us, right down to the shoes. Um, I think I got fined for wearing my own shoes at the Jack cup final. I done a deal with him. Yeah, I got. I done a deal where I told him I'm gonna wear my lucky shoes, and he says right, and I paid the fine, and he uh, that was the deal that we done. But um, yeah, not so lucky think, if you're getting a fine for them. Well, I got. I, t- I paid the fine. I happily took it out of the, the the winning bonus that year. So. It wasn't too bad. Um, we just put it behind the bar that evening, I think. So, no, to be honest with you, like it's refreshing hearing a kid just come on and speak about it, saying how he's he's watched the game a month before in the Aviva, watched Ireland, and now he's dreaming of playing in it. And then just the honesty of him and the sort of enthusiasm from him just comes across. That I'm I'm smiling listening to the interview because as you get older, you sort of try and take these things in your stride, and you forget that. You know, you started somewhere, and that enthusiasm. I always remember going to a cup final, and we were we were driving down the canal, and with Longford at the time, and Shawnee Francis, who was probably a lot older than us and been in the league a, a lot longer than I was, and the excitement in his in him because we were getting a police escort, you know. And I'm thinking, this fella's 32 years of age, getting excited about this, and and you you sort of go, you know, actually this is a big deal here. Like enjoy it and and, and enjoy the occasion of it, but. Obviously, make sure you perform. So, 
it was great to hear that from um from the lad uh, Borns or Pats because he comes across really well in the interview, real honest and real enthusiastic about playing football. Gary, you definitely skinny suit had to be. Who ch- who chose your suits? Yeah, I hand in one of the suits, but I think um, the la- we had a tracksuit last year for some reason. We didn't have time to pick out suits because we were um, in the Europa League and stuff. But uh, I, Graham is right there. Like the cup final is, is such a special kind of occasion. The whole build up to it, it it's kind of the one week in the year where you really get a taste for what it's like to be, you know, a professional footballer at a top club like in the UK. What, what you aspire to do, and the cup final, the build up, and the whole week around it, and the cup final suits and all that. It's a very special day, and and that's why at the start of the season you'll always hear players. You know, they'll always want to be playing that cup final no matter what the team they're playing with the aspiration is to get to that cup final it's great to hear Dara's enthusiasm about it and, and look it, it's a real it's a real special occasion and look he's been terrific in the game itself in the semi-final and the season he's been having he's had a terrific season and uh, like it's an occasion that he'll go on and he'll remember for the rest of his days yeah Adrian stuck around in Richmond Park on Friday night and also got the reactions from both managers Alan Matthews and then Vinnie Perth it's a brilliant day for the club. This is a terrific venue uh, to play football in when it's full, and it was almost full tonight. Um, the crowd gave us a, a great impetus and great support throughout. They were behind the team from the get-go. And thankfully, we responded with some good football, three wonderful goals, and as you say, we're in the cup final. But it was a special night tonight. Um, we wanted to make sure that we got to the cup final. We've had a good season in the league. We've been there, thereabouts all season. Um, it's a long slog. But tonight was just about winning, and thankfully we won the game, but we also won it with a bit of style. It certainly did, and a couple of stylish goals, in particular Matty Smith, an explosive finish. But Dara Burns, just 19 years of age, talk to me about him, because a lot of people talk about quality Irish players. He looks a real hot prospect. I know I've asked you about him before, but tonight he was just sensational. He was excellent very very good with the ball and also without the ball he does an awful lot of, of good work for the side when he when he needs to dig in but his ability to go in and go out um, he, he you know he's a, a very very difficult player for any fullback to play and for a guy who's so so young um, he takes on advice he works really hard at his game trains he stays back and his you know his, his left foot his right foot now it's it's a work in progress and if he continues to work and apply himself um, he can have a very very good career in the game and a very good future the quality of his finish tonight is something that we've seen in training, we've seen it in matches. It didn't surprise us that he finished it, but to finish it and execute the, the goal in the manner that he did, given the, the nature of the game and, and given the, the tension that was in the, those last couple of minutes, uh, shows that he's made it the right stuff. And He's a great credit to himself, parents, and if he continues, as I said, he'll have a, a real good career. We're delighted that he's playing for us and delighted to have him at the moment. Well, plenty of fireworks on the pitch and the fireworks are going off the pitch at the moment. Um, just in terms of the quality of performance, was that everything you'd hoped for tonight against a side of the quality of Dundalk? Uh, Dundalk are the current holders and it was we all knew it was their kind of last chance to, to get salvation for their season, um, get them to a cup final, etc. So they were seriously motivated and they've been on a good run. So we knew it was going to be difficult. We had to play to our potential. Um, probably a bit of nerves at the start of the game. There was a couple of mistakes. But overall, the way that we played, with the ball, without the ball, the work rate, the attitude that we showed, um, to try and pass and play in the right areas and the, the clinical finishing that we haven't maybe seen the last couple of weeks. We have been playing well, the results maybe haven't gone our way the last couple of weeks, but tonight it all clicked in. So, as I said earlier, it's a terrific occasion for the club. It's great for the players, a good day to look forward to for everybody. We finish the season off now in a really strong manner, a positive manner, because we've got something to look forward to. And as I say, at the end of it now, there's an opportunity for us to, uh, to get some silverware to, uh, to give these players recognition, um, tangible recognition for the work that they've put in this year. And hopefully we can do that. The spectacle tonight, what, what an occasion. I've been coming here since a kid. And bar Brian Kerr, Pat Dolan, I've never seen the, the atmosphere as good as it is tonight. So it's brilliant, brilliant night for the league. Very disappointed for Dundalk Football Club, but usually proud of taking the team here. And I'm, I'm, I'm devastated for our players. Yeah. I was just going to say, it must hurt at the moment though, does it? Yeah, no, it hurts, it hurts immensely. Um, I'm really, and, and it doesn't hurt, sort of, for me, it hurts for the players. People don't know what they've had to go through this year. The way they've been, you know, they've been targeted and the stuff that's gone on. And um, But ultimately, I, I really feel sorry for them. They're just an amazing bunch of people. Um, people have no idea and if this is the last dance for them players well we're going to enjoy ourselves over the last couple of weeks and, 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 and go out with it with a bang and if that's the way it is that's the way it is but just immensely proud to take a team 
into this occasion and um, and into this uh, you know environment and just disappointed it didn't go the way. But I think again they've proved tonight they're as good as anyone in this league and it just didn't go the way tonight. And is it the last dance for many of the players? Because a lot of people are wondering about the future, your own future at Dundalk, the whole peak six situation, and so many of the players as well. Can you shed any light on, on what's likely to happen? Um, no, it would be the wrong time to do it because we have a big game here on Monday on, on behalf of the club. But, like, you know, it is, it is, it is, it is heading that way. There's no doubt about it. And it's, that's disappointing. But um, I, 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 I certainly don't blame the owners for where we're at at the moment. I, I, um, I, I certainly don't do that. I certainly don't blame the players. I think they've been brilliant, but like as a club, we've made errors. We've made errors, and um, maybe I'm culpable for some of them. But like I think there's pride in that jersey. There's pride in, in a lot of them performances over the last couple of months, and things have gone gone against us. But look, um, we we'll talk about that when the right time comes. All we can do is uh, take tonight on the chin. Are you confident finally about the future of Dundalk Football Club? Um, as I said, tonight's not the night for that. Um, I, I, I do worry. I do worry. Uh, but I, I, I do know that we've got honest people run, owning the club. Um, so we've got very honest people owning the club. So um, they, they'll, they'll stand by till the point comes, whatever that is. But um, I am worried. I am worried for, for us as a club. I, I, I'd be wrong with me to hide away from that. But all I can do is manage these players and, and you know, we'll train again tomorrow. We'll, we'll train Sunday and we'll come back up here looking to get three points. We've been as good as anyone on our day and uh, we're, we're bitterly disappointed, as I said. Well, Graham, we'll start with you because obviously an old manager, you, you mentioned the cup final earlier on, Alan Matthews in another cup final. Um, they're, doing, they're doing well there at Pats, aren't they? Yeah, they're building slow. Like Stephen's obviously come in this year. He's brought in a few players. Um, I know he took in a few lads from Scotland. Some of them have done well, and some of them haven't. Um, but the likes of the young players like Dara Bournes, Matty Smith. That's a, that's an unbelievable goal he scores. And they brought in some players that you, that have had decent enough careers in Scotland that have gone on to do uh, good things here as well. But you're hoping that Stephen can lean on Alan's experiences of the of the big occasions back in sort of 03 and 04 when we were preparing for cup finals Alan sort of really ramped it up and put a lot of emphasis on coming together as a team and making sure that we 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 enjoyed the occasion but that we performed and that we we didn't leave anything to chance and hopefully Stephen then can lean on Alan from from that point of view I think Alan's been to three cup finals he's won two um, if if memory serves me right, I think he lost one in the RDS with Longford. Um, a couple of years after he'd won one in, in 04. So, but yeah, they, they they have some good players that have been at the club a while as well, the likes of Birmingham and, and Desmond at the back as well. So then they have a chance to to sort of cement their place at the club with silverware. I know Birmingham have won stuff before in terms of the league and the cup as well, but. But the likes of Desmond and players um, that have been at the club a while, they can obviously help the young, the younger players as well and, and bring them to silverware. So a little bit worrying for Dundalk from that point of view. Gary, we always come to you on this, unfortunately. But um, Vinny's, Vinny's comments there at the end, it, do, you know what it, do you know what's kind of reminiscent to me of Pat Fenlon when he was at Shelburne and they went on to win the league and he, he spoke after they won the league. Um, on goal difference against against Derry, I think it was they won the last game of the season to to win the league anyway, and he mentioned how much the players had gone through that season with payments of wages not being put out and etc etc and, and that seems to be where Vinny's gone with this and then overnight you see Graham Norton has now stepped away from the club as well their um, their S and C coach and it it seems to be in a bad place at the moment and it's sad to hear Vinny speaking like that after after a match especially a cup semi final. Yeah, look, I think, you know, the Cup semi-final was certainly the occasion that they were kind of, you know, hoping that to resurrect their season on and get into a Cup final. And obviously with that um, not materialising for them, you know, it, it's difficult. And I think, you know, you you see that Graham has obviously moved on and, you know, just talking Danny Miller, the physio, and do talk to the doctor are going as well. So it does appear to be all falling apart there. And we look, it's been well spoken about and documented this season, I suppose, the the ongoing problems at the club between look the communication is zero and, and Vinny kind of alludes to it there. Like, you know, he's he's backing um, you know, the owners of the club, but the owners of the club, you know, in terms of what where the fans are at, you know, there's zero communication there and there's huge frustration 
that has been building throughout the whole season because of that communication and fans are, are very frustrated at the situation and like just obviously talks at the minute about um you know various different consortiums taking over and look you know, supporters of the club are in the dark about you know where whereabouts they are in terms of you know a possible takeover so look it's very concerning times um for the club and for the people of Dundalk because like the club in Dundalk is is you know, it's really the focal point of the whole community and it's desperately sad to see the situation they're in at the minute. It is, especially when you consider, I think this would have been their seventh cup final in a row and to see where they've gone through from there. But I think the fans have to be a bit realistic as well, do you not, Gary? Because if they go, they need somebody who's going to be willing to put an immense amount of money into the club to rebuild that first team. Yeah, well, look, I don't know how immense it's going to be. Obviously, it's going to take a lot of money, you know, but, you know, in terms of the liabilities that are there at the minute, there's only one player, uh, senior player under contract, which is Andy Boyle. I know there's a couple of young players that are under contract as well. So there's not a massive kind of squad in place with a load of kind of liabilities for the following season that have to be dealt with. I know Jim Magilton has a contract, but, like, there's not huge contract there. But there, you, you definitely, obviously, need, you know, substantial money to come in and run a club, and there is... Um, I think people in the dock who are interested in, in doing that, but I think the asking price um, for the for the club might be a little bit unrealistic. And now that you know there is no European football, sadly for Dundalk, and that asking price may come down into something that might be a little bit more reasonable, and that maybe a, a fan base consortium might t- might take it over. So, um, but but all of this is ifs and buts, and there's no no one really has a clear kind of. Um, I suppose guidelines in terms of what's going to happen over the next couple of weeks, and, and you know, in a few weeks' time, the season's going to be over, and, and we still don't know, you know, who's going to be managing the club and who's going to be at the club, and for players that are there, um, they don't know where they're going to be next year. Yeah, I suppose we we leave that one there. We're fair play to St. Pat's for reaching another cup final, as Adrian mentioned, the first one for them since 2014. But now across the city to the second semi-finals, Bohemians welcome Waterford to Dagenham Park. And despite going in as underdogs and being down to 10 men, Waterford almost held on for a replay until Georgia Kelly managed to squeeze the ball under Brian Murphy in the 88th minute to secure Bo's place in the final. And believe it or not, <coughs> it'll be the first Dublin Derby final for 21 years and it'll be the first one played in Lansdowne Road for some 25 years. Graeme, this is this has set up a final to be an absolute cracking game, hasn't it? Bowes versus St. Pats. Yeah, exactly. I'll always remember the semi-final in probably in 2003. I think Bowes and Pats played each other in a replay. It was 4-3 as well. Remember Keith Fatty scored a cracker. Um, so it sets it up for being a great game and a great occasion. And we know, like you said, these fans have been starved to football for the last probably year as well, that they can go and enjoy the, enjoy the occasion in such a great venue as well, which is um, obviously the old Lansdowne Road. So it makes for a cracking occasion, makes for a cracking game, and you're hoping that, that both teams go out and put on a performance and showcase what, how good the league has been in the last few years. Yeah, Gary, Friday night's game, it, it was a bit nip and tuck. Waterford kind of set out their stall. There was a couple of early penalty claims before one was given. And of course, goalkeeper and Georgie Kelly involved. And what was your what's your opinion of that? Is the goalkeeper right to go for the ball, or it's a very difficult one for Brian. It's, like it's it's difficult to come out and pull out uh, of that challenge, you know. And you know, he, he obviously he, he goes on to save the penalty, but it, it's look, your goalkeeper and it's subjective anyway. Like it's you know, how do you come out and not make contact? Obviously, he he missed the ball, and and referees given a penalty. I know Mark Burcham hasn't been too happy with the referees of late, and. Um, but like in fairness, you know that decision there didn't cost them, and it was like Brian went on to save it, save the penalty. And but Georgie Kelly to go and get the winner late in the day, like the atmosphere at the game was, was fantastic, and uh, like it's it's going to be it's going to be a special occasion. The the cup final, I'm really looking forward to it. Um, you know the two sets of, of Dublin supporters, and I think we'll see a massive crowd at the Aviva Stadium and get a real taste for. Obviously, the cup final last year had no supporters, um, you know, and that was definitely missed. But this occasion will be massive, and I think you know even for 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 supporters of uh, of of other clubs in, in the league, it'd be a great occasion to to go and to see, and hopefully it'll be a terrific game. Graham, as a centre half, if you're back against the wall for nearly ninety minutes. And it's just that one, maybe lacking concentration, that's Georgie Kelly in. But I've mentioned over the last couple of weeks, I think there's only two definite strikers in this league, and that's Pat Hoban and Georgie Kelly, both of them scoring cup semi-finals. But even just to get that yard away from the centre-half, it must be absolutely devastating for a centre-half to see a goal like that go in in the 88th minute. 
Yeah, and it's a hard one for him because I think maybe the starting position kills him so that by the time he tries to get back and recover, he ends up facing his own goal. If he throws a leg at it, it's an own goal as well. So it's one of those positions that as the ball's getting played down the side, he probably needs to you know, anticipate a better and open his body so that he's, he's, he's not facing his own goal to defend it. But Georgie Kelly, he's, in fairness, it's a, brave, it's a brave finish from him as well because he goes in and, and Murphy's coming out as well and he gets a nick on it and he just stays in between the goals. I know what you're saying regarding strikers, the likes of him and Hoban, they just want to stay in between the goalposts. I think strikers or other clubs like to you know, mix the game up a bit, but the likes of Georgie and Hoban just stay in between the goalposts and invariably that's where a lot of the goals are scored. So he had said that he had told Prince just to, you know, and any time he gets down the side, just fire across the six-yard box and he'll be there. Um, it wouldn't be an orthodox run where he's trying to get across the front post. He sort of just peels off the back of the defender and... Um, it's a really good finish and, and, and like you said it was a, probably a stuffy game and it was it was the one occasion where he slips free to get the um, to get the finish so makes like I agree with Gary it makes for crack and final there's no excuse for people not to go the two Dublin clubs it's on their doorstep they should get as many people to the game as possible it's everything everybody wanted in terms of fans are back in the stadium the, the restrictions are lifted so it should make for should hopefully see one of the biggest crowds out of even a long long time yeah, with the atmosphere on Friday night at both semi-finals, both home and away fans really creating a buzz. And as I said, the lads, 28th of November, that cup final will be live on RTE2, but we can't move on without asking for a bit of a prediction. So, Gary, who do you reckon is going to nick it? Uh, well, I tipped up Bowes at the start of the year. I also tipped up Dundalk to win the league, so I'm going to stick with Bowes because <laughs> Dundalk has fallen asunder for me. <laughs> <laughs> and Graham, please tell me your tips weren't as disastrous. No, I didn't know. I tipped... I- Tipped Rovers to win the league this year, and I probably, I probably would have would thought Rovers would have went for. It'd be great. Well, I know, I know. This is probably the one club you haven't played for, guys. <laughs> um, but uh, I tipped Rovers to win the league at the start of the year. I actually thought Rovers would go far in this competition as well. Um, but on the day for the game that's in it, I think Georgie Kelly uh, tips the scales. I think um, having a centre forward that can score goals, and obviously with the experience that Bowes had. Uh, of playing in the Aviva this year I think they'll take to the game a little bit more and as it kills me to say it I think Bohemians will, will, will probably be Pats There we go Graeme Gartland no, ripping up his season ticket at Tallet and not being allowed back in for another couple relax of years at, Relax at that No you've asked me my football <laughs> not who I want to win it Do you know what I mean? If you ask me who I want to win that's like asking like, you know what I mean? It's a terrible question. So, <laughs> so two bows wins is what we're going for. Right then, let's get back to the bread and butter of the league. Now, two games were held on Saturday with Finn Harps hosting Sligo Rovers and Longford welcoming Shamrock Rovers at the Bishop's Gate. And on a typical wet and windy night in Bally Buffet, Ollie Horgan's men got off to the worst start possible with Kosovar Siddiqui getting his marching orders in the fifth minute. In eventful half, Johnny Kenny saw his spot kick save the legs of McGinley. But the young Sligo striker didn't have long to wait to make amends as he struck in the 47 minute to give Sligo the league. His goal was followed up by Niall Morahan and that put the bit of red two up. But they couldn't see it out and the fight back was well and truly started when Sean Boyd struck in the 86th minute and then Carlo Sullivan levelled it up in the dying moments to see it finish two all. Gary, bad, bad points dropped by Sligo there. Yeah, it's a kind of a recurring team for Sligo. You know, they can think, you know, they're 2-0 up and you think the game is over and I think they, they took off Johnny Kenny and... Um, you know they brought on Romeo Parks and De Vries, and you probably thought the game was over. But typical of Finn Harps, you know they you know they came from two goals behind a couple of weeks previous against Dundalk and got a three-all draw. And, and look, they've done it again. It's obviously an important point for them considering the position they're in. But for Sligo, it's another it's another case of of, of points dropped. And you know they should have you know with the lead they had down to ten, with the opposition down to ten men. You would have thought that they would have seen that one out because it would have been hugely important in terms of trying to secure that third spot and, and European football for next year. But um, they're going to have to sweat it out over the next few weeks and uh, they have a tough game against Drogheda, um, I think, this this Friday. So that'll be another interesting one because Drogheda went down there earlier in the season and beat them 1-0. So you know they, they themselves with a win over the weekend have put themselves in the frame for for getting to that fourth spot as well. So it's um, it's really interesting, this kind of European relegation battle, because, you know, there's not a lot of points difference between, you know, third and second from bottom. Like, it's 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 uh, it's been a strange season. Graeme, you would have um, probably seen Sean Boyd as a youngster at Rovers. 
Yes, Sean had a lot of potential. His debut, I think his debut couldn't have gone any better for the yeah, kid he scored not. in a Dublin derby. Um, I remember um, it was, I think it was Stephen's first game in charge as well, and he put Boyd uh, on the bench and he had uh, Aaron Dobbs up front, and then he brought Boyd on with half an hour to go. I remember being at it, and um, the two of them linked up and scored a goal, and he had that potential. He was a He's a rangy runner. He, you know, he's quick without being lightning. He just, he's, a, he's a good sort of presence about him. He's six foot two. He can play. He's been re- probably hampered by injuries an awful lot, and that he just couldn't get himself right and get a run in the game. Um, but he, he just has. He, he, if he gets a run of games and he can stay injury free, he has a good chance of carving out a, a decent career in the league, because um, he has potential and he's a good kid as well. Like so. Great to see him scoring goals. And again, I watched Sligo against Rovers two weeks ago on the Friday night game. And he just lacked resilience and lacked resolve. Like, I don't think they laid a glove on Rovers that night. Rovers won 2 0 comfortably, and Sligo just didn't lay a glove on them. And I worried for them going up there because I thought, it's one thing you're going to get. One thing you're gonna get up in Bally Buffet is you're gonna get tested, you're gonna get balls in the box, you're gonna get you're gonna have to defend a wet and cold windy night in Bally Buffet with the crowd behind them. It's a tough place to go and I'm not surprised when I don't see Sligo hold out in these situations because I just think they they lack so much resilience and lack a sort of without the ball they just have no togetherness. It's like they just say, Well, we we're, when we have the ball, we'll play our way. When you have it, you have you play your way and we'll see how it unfolds. And it's no surprise when you can see them conceding two late goals. Yeah, two late goals. It saw them leave the door open for Derry City to actually take that third place. We'll get on to that later. But in Bishop's Gate, Shamrock Rovers will once again find it hard to break down the already relegated Longford Town. In previous meetings between two sides, Rovers have come out on top, winning goals coming in the 93rd and then twice in the 95th minutes. But just shortly after coming on, Graham Burke was on the end of a rebound from a Danny Mondroyo chance and in 66 minutes to make a 1-0 and secure another three points on their way to what will surely be their 19th title. Graham, the buzz around Tala must be immense now, is it? Yeah, it's great. Cause I've seen a lot of stuff from the fans. I was at the game when they beat Sligo and everybody sort of knew they were getting close. I know they then lost to the Bowes. Um, which oh, sorry, they then drew with Bowes, which, but the second half comeback gave us a lot of sort of... Um, Again, that's the word I looked at, a lot of resilience because they're down to 10 men and they managed to, to come back and I know they probably could have nicked in the end with Oidemo Maku having a couple of chances. So, yeah, I think the buzz is where, the, the, again, the fans never got to enjoy them winning the league last year. There was an 18-game league. They weren't in when they lifted the trophy. There was a lot of people trying, like, they missed out on an awful lot. They missed out on a trip to the cup final. So, it's great to actually have the fans back to see them lift the trophy and especially with it being a 30 36 game league as well that they, they, they've, they've witnessed half of it and totally deserved as well I know I know you said they've, they've, they've struggled to sort of beat Longford but they still have the maximum 12 points from from the four games and when you look at it like that, that, that that's what it's all about at the end of the day especially when you're chasing league titles Gary when you are chasing league titles and you know, from a couple of weeks back, we're all talking about this 19 title, 19 night. Does that play on players' minds? Like, you're just trying to get over that line? Yeah, look, it, it's a little bit more difficult, I suppose, to get over that line. Like, you know, they're, they're so comfortable in terms of, you know, the distance between them and Pats at the minute. Like, it's just a matter of time before they win the title. And, like, I think, it, you know, it, it's different when there's, like, a real tight uh, title race. And, you know, getting over the line then is there's huge pressure on the games and the run in. But I think look, the the title of Shamrock Rovers is just just a matter of collecting a couple of more points between now and the end of the season. But they, look, they, they've been easily the best team in the league. You you would have liked to see them, you know, more of a challenge put up to them because um, I I think you know they haven't had to be at their best at times and you know, they've got late goals in games and and they've they've churned out wins and that's what champions do. I think you know they were. You know, the way they were able to, to pick up points and even Longford is a kind of a good example. They picked up late winners against Longford all season. No, there was one nil the other day, but I was then in in, um, in Longford for a game earlier in the season. It was the ninety sixth minute when they scored and you know, that's what champions do. You know, they hang in the games and, and win games that you know, sometimes they no right to win games, but uh, like Shamrock Rovers have been easily easily the best team in the league and you know and, and deserve fully deserve their title. Yeah, Graham. For for fans who were considering last year is not a real an asterisk league, they've basically gone out and proven how good they are this year. But they've just got that one nut to crack, and that's Europe, isn't it? They need to get a, a decent run in Europe, and then that could be a, a very very good historic team for Shamrock Rovers. 
Yeah, I think two years ago uh, they had a good run in Europe. I think last year they just run. You're running to AC Milan. Mm. Like, you're, you're not going anywhere. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, uh, like let's be realistic here. Like, so I think this year they, they were obviously disappointed in Europe, but next year they'll have that experience of it again, and they just keep going. And um, they'll they'll hopefully add add players in over Christmas as well that w- will boost that. Um, but I agree with Gary. They've been. They've been the standout team in the league. Last year, I think people probably thought, well, they play a bit more free-flowing football. They've Jack in midfield, they've Aaron McAniff. But that wasn't over 36 games. That wasn't with double-leg European games in between. That wasn't with cup games thrown in then as you come back. So they've had a lot... Their the poor runs of form probably or the poor run of results have been Jordan where they've had probably double games in a week. And, and then when it goes back to the week-by-week format, they just... You just take care of the job and there's been some brilliance thrown in in between and then you show the resilience and the resolve and the sort of mindset of we're making sure we perform to get results and that just not every game's going to be pretty but they've they've won the big games or they've won the games when it mattered and also as well any time that they've had a slip nobody underneath them has put a run together to even challenge them nobody has even gone laid a glove on them in terms of we've lost this week it's up to you to go out and win they haven't done it that's not on Rovers that's on other teams so Rovers can only do what they've done I think they've been the standout team they've showed every bit of every bit you need to be champions they've, they've played some great football at times they've played some sort of winning football at times they showed resolve they showed splashes of brilliance and doesn't, I don't think you can ask for any more yeah, you can't indeed. They've, they've been very well and very well ran all year. As you said, getting those late goals, that's what champions do. And they will surely win in the next week or two, wrap up their 19th title. Well, we move on to Sunday afternoon, which saw Derry City travel to Head in the Game Park to take on Draw the United, knowing that a win would see them into third place on that European spot at the expense of Sligo Rovers. But over the years, they found it hard to come away with points from the loud venue and despite having most of the ball and controlling the game Killian Phillips were at the quickest to ball coming back off the Derry post to head the drogs into the lead in the 39th minute a lead they'd hold on to and grab a vital three points from the home side let's hear now from both managers Tim Clancy first and then Rory Higgins after delighted to be honest with you um, not our best performance um, as in quality wise thought it was quite a scrappy game Derry on an unbelievable run since uh, Higgy went in there and uh, they're one of the two teams that we haven't beaten this year, so really, really happy with the with the result and performance from a gritty side of things and uh, defensive and blocking things and winning headers and whatnot. Uh, yeah, it was it was very, very good. Yeah, for the first thirty-eight minutes before you score the goal, you might have been under the cash, but you you, you know defence really stood strong. Yeah, there was balls flashing across the box and stuff like that, but I don't think they, they, they really had too many good chances. I think we actually had the better chances in the game, especially with Jordan's chance right at the end, they should have made it 2-0. Um, we possibly should have had a penalty when Dara won the header to back post and their keeper makes a good save actually just after it, but Dara was, he's got stud marks on his ribs where the defenders tried to clear the ball, he's kicked him in the ribs, but again, listen, it didn't go our way, but what did go our way was a few ricochets in the box and blocks and things didn't drop to them that other weeks they might have dropped to the opposition like Pat's here a couple of weeks ago when they scored in the 94th minute. So we'll take uh, we'll take the three points whenever we can get them. And any three points in, in this league, especially against the calibre of Derry, is, is really, really good. Uh, disappointing. Uh, they lose it in a game where I felt um, we had large periods of control and, and, and I felt like um, Drodder are a good team, don't get me wrong, but I felt that... Um, it's certainly a game that we didn't deserve to lose, anyway. Yeah, in the first 38 minutes, you, you owned the, the ball and maybe should have been one or two up. Aye, we, 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 I felt we should have been in front. We've conceded a terrible goal from our point of view. and Even in, in, in the second half, I think the game was played in their half as well. And, and we just weren't ruthless enough in the final third. And, and when you give goals up from set plays, it gives the opposition something to hang on to. And, and, and that's the way it played out. And that's not a, a dirty way to give goals away cheaply like that. No, it's it's disappointing. We haven't we haven't done it too often, so we need to learn from it. And and um, as I said, you look at football worldwide and the amount of games that are decided from set plays. And um, we've scored a few scored from a few ourselves this season, but it's it's extremely disappointing when you can see them. You'd be used to coming to here as a as a Dundalk player. Very hard to beat throughout it down. Ah, it's a difficult place to come. In fairness. Uh, we won here in the league earlier on the season. We won here in the cup, so it's it's been a decent ground for us. Um, although we lost today, I don't think we deserve to lose. So listen, we just need to kick on. 
and, and learn from where we went wrong and and, and uh, there was certain aspects of the game that we've done quite well today and we just need to keep that going as well and, and, and try and be as consistent as we can between now and the end of the season. Yeah, the Sligo result last night seemed to put you in a good position. I know you haven't really lost ground but others are catching up on you. Uh, that's it and, and it's every week there'll be, a, there'll be uh, things changing so um, aye, listen, it wasn't that long ago where we were, we were uh, rock bottom of the league, so we have to, we have to um, be delighted with the position that we've got ourselves in. But we also know that um, if we if we do our business right between now and the end of the season, we've got a bit of a chance. Well, you have a big chance now next Friday night. Focus the mind with Bose. Yeah, huge game. Uh, they play tomorrow night against Waterford, which will be a tough game as well. So, uh, listen, we'll, we'll recover properly and prepare in the best possible manner. To, they go to the Brandwell and get our, our, our supporters behind us and try and pick up a, a big three points. Well, Gary, as Graham mentioned there before, when Shamrock Rovers have little blips, it was up to the rest of them to catch them. Sligo have had a constant blip since European, but nobody's caught them. And yesterday afternoon was a chance for Derry to get that catch and go ahead of them. But they just find it so difficult there in heading the game park to get any form of win. Yeah, I think you know, Trotter is resilience and, and you know the, the season that they've had, you know, speaks volumes for the job that Tim and Kevin have done. Like it's difficult. In fairness to Rory, Rory's come in and had a terrific turnaround at Derry, but you know, between Bowes, Drogheda, Dundalk, and Derry to get that fourth spot, it's going to be really interesting. Last the last few games in the season because it's really there. Um, it's up for grabs and maybe even third because, like as we said earlier, like Sligar just seem to be dropping points all the time and they're kind of bringing themselves into into that equation where they should realistically you know they were top of the table in the middle of the season before Europe and, and they should be kind of you know ease comfortably in a European spot but you know they're not and as Graham said earlier on you know the, the game in in in, in Tal against Shamrock Rovers they never laid a, gr- a glove on Shamrock Rovers they were very poor in that game and you know, and they were two 0 up at the weekend and managed to, to to draw the game. So it's going to be a really interesting battle, um, for the European spots and and look, like I said, it's between five teams really. You know, for for two spots. Graham, back to another one of your former clubs, Strada. Tim's done a great job there, and that's that's a fantastic three points for them. Yeah, it's brilliant actually because I know he was struggling during the summer. He, I think they'd eight gone eight games without win. So for them to turn it round, I think they went to Dundalk and everybody had wrote them off and they won one nil and that's just set them on this really good run. And I, I agree with what, what Rory Higgins said after the game. When you give Drogheda one nil start up there, they're a hard team to break down. The pitch is very small, it's very tight, you can get numbers behind the ball and then they become a counter-attacking team. And he's done so well. And I know Dirty struggled there, but a lot of other teams do as well. I was up there watching Shamrock Rovers and they struggled to break them down as well. And they've... Again, they've, they've, they've a lot more resilience and a lot more sort of togetherness uh, probably than they, uh, than they had at the start of the year, uh, sorry, in the middle part of the season when they were going through that bad form. But uh, he's done a fantastic job himself and Kevin. And I know from I, I spoke to the chairman up there recently and they're just trying to get the club to a better place in terms of their facilities, in terms of everything, just trying to build it all the time. Again, I was touching on that with Gary earlier about Dundalk and that. They have all this investment in their team and stuff, and you're, you're thinking, what have they got to show at the end of this? And it was similar to what we went through with Trotter, is you, you, you invest in a squad and a team, but when you leave, there's nothing after. The stadium isn't better, there's no better training ground. And that's what you need to bring these clubs forwards. Instead of just investment in, in, in squads, invest in infrastructure around it, because when we left Trotter, there was nothing. And it's the same when these players were left on dock. There's no better training ground. There's not the facilities might be better at the at Aria, but still, still not a great stadium. And I think that's how we progress our league, and that's how we progress the clubs in it. Very, very true. We'll just have a recap on the results in the Premier Division over the weekend. Finn Harps two, Sligo Rovers two, Longford Town nil, Shamrock Rovers one, Drogheda one. As we just mentioned, Derry City nil. And in the first division, we had a precursor to the old uh, playoff semi-finals with Galway United versus Bray Wonders that finishing one nil to Galway goal in the eighty-second minute, giving Galway the lead and the win. And in the bowl, UCD beating Treaty United. 2-1 and they're going to be the precursors as I said that them, them exact fixtures will be the playoff semi-final so without further ado I suppose we should move on to the English Premier League lads and touch a bit on this and, and, and some amazing results from the weekend I think we can only start with the, the, the maddest one of the lot we, we would suggest but what a great game it was Liverpool going to Old Trafford and beating Man United 5-0 
Gary, it was some demolition job, wasn't it? Yeah, and it was the it was the manner of it. Like I think, you know, Liverpool were so comfortable and clinical in the game. It, it was probably it was frightening because I I feel there was probably even more gears in Liverpool because you look at even at their midfield you had Miller, uh, Henderson and Kate, he didn't even have Fabinho in that middle of midfield and you know to be so dominant in 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 Manchester is uh, you know is frightening um, so like to go there and beat them 5-0 and so comfortably it's very worrying for, for Manchester United fans and obviously you look Good times for Liverpool fans. I say Liverpool fans are probably thinking, you know, when United uh, lose a man, they should be trying to get a few more goals and give them a right hiding. But uh, like it, it's hugely worrying there in Manchester. But like you know, Liverpool were awesome. Graham, we obviously straight after the match, we've seen various apologies coming out. One from Harry Maguire, Ronaldo, etc., etc. But like, how do you adjust from this? Is this a case of I've seen reported over the last twenty four hours the personalities of Man United? just aren't up to when they go behind getting back into these type of games? Um, I don't know about that. Obviously, they went behind during the week and they came back on 1-3-2. I just think they're up against a different animal. Uh, I think you, you, you're 2-0 down, down to Atlanta and Atlanta probably lose a couple of their players as well at half-time and then you know you come back and win 3-2 and then you know the tails are up going into the weekend. I, I agree with Gary. I think you come up against the a really formidable team and I don't uh, again a team that has individual brilliance but the individual brilliance contributes to the team effort where I think United have all these individuals and and it's not contributing to making a good team Um, I was talking about this this morning with, with people that even their signings you think right well are they signing players to fit the system or just signing players like you know oh good players available we go and take them Van der Beek hasn't played Sancho hasn't played, Ronaldo's come in and he's played. I think Varane's a great signing, but, you know, systems at the back, you know, is different to sort of systems of play going forward. Um, Liverpool were ahead in every facet of the game. I think the defensive line was much better. I think the midfield line was, was so much better. The distances were miles ahead of them from a defensive point of view. I also think when uh, there's a lot of being made about Man United having a front press and that the, oh, the press doesn't work. The press isn't always going to work, and, and that's the biggest thing. But they have no recovery once it fails. I watched them pressing, and I thought, right, it hasn't worked, but you need to recover better. Liverpool press at times didn't work. United had some good moments in the game where they played through them. But Liverpool's recoveries were even more organised. And that's the biggest thing, is that they know how to press, but they know how to, how, when it fails, where they need to recover to. And you, and United didn't have that in the game. Um, and like you said, it probably could have been more. I think Liverpool then started getting maybe, let's get through the match now without any injuries because we've bigger games coming up as well. They've Atletico next week in the Champions League. So I, I, I agree with Gary. I think, I think it was a, a powerful loss in display from Liverpool and a really worrying from a Man United point of view. I don't get all this apology stuff. I've seen Fernandez apologising because he missed the penalty. Just get on with it. You make mistakes. That's the way it goes. Like, you, know, just, you just move on. Stop apologising. Just the apology is making sure you perform the next week. That's it. Like you know, I'm. I just think it's just a little bit too much at the moment. Yeah, I never seen a Graham Gartland apology on Twitter. I have to say after any match, but uh, there was two oh, other. You seen it? You seen a performance the next week? That's my apology. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Apologise for some of the tackles he put in over the years. <laughs> <laughs> hey, got, got you out of the, out of the muck, huh? There was, <laughs> there was obviously two big, big games in London over the weekend. Again, West Ham taking on Spurs and, and a one 0 win to put them into fourth place, and then obviously Chelsea. Once again, like Liverpool, completely taking part in Norwich, and it's very hard to, to talk up a league when you've got a seven nil result. What do you think, Graham? These results are sometimes not like just out of nowhere. Like you know, Norwich play an open game of football. They've stuck with a manager that bring that has implemented a style of play, and when they come up against a juggernaut like Chelsea, it's gonna they're gonna get found out. What did he do? Did he change the whole philosophy for one game and just say, right, we're gonna sit in a low block and hope for the best? Or do they try and play against them? And when they do, that's what happens. Like, but it's hard to sort of judge a league on it because there's always been results, you know, throughout the years that will just throw up um, seven nils and stuff. I remember United be if switch years ago nine one or something, and then there's always been results that pop up every now and then. I think Gaz is one as Gary's comment earlier regarding like 
but Liverpool beating Man United, who are meant to be title challengers 5 0, would be more worrying than Chelsea beating Norwich, who have just been promoted 7 0. Yeah, that would we, be the biggest one. Just one more to Gary. Gary, Gary you ever get back pain from picking out seven balls earlier in your net, no? Unfortunately, I've had to do it, but uh, I managed to survive the back pain to play the following week, which is even <laughs> more of a miracle. But uh, <laughs> yeah, look, it's 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 tough. Like, and uh, Graham is right. Like, you look at the gap between Chelsea and Norwich, and it's not surprising that they're able to kind of pull off a result like that. It doesn't happen very often, and I think you know Norwich generally you know, they they don't get beat by them sort of numbers. And but Chelsea are are, are a serious uh, a serious side and. Um, but that, that's football. Unfortunately, you, you'll get results like that. You get them in their only. Even look, we played at loan last year in the cup semi final. We beat them eleven nil. Like so, um, like, and that's only the gap between first division and Premier Division. So you do get these freak results as well. Yeah, well, thanks very much, lads, for joining us on the podcast today. And as we've already heard, Graham Grantland definitely tipping bows ahead of the cup <laughs> final. And so is so is Gary. Always oh, great to have the two years on, lads. Thanks very much for another week on the soccer podcast. And we move on now. And the Ireland women's national team. Travelled to Finland at the weekend as they looked to bounce back from a narrow loss at home to Sweden on Thursday evening. An unfortunate deflective goal off Louise Quinn gave the team ranked number two in the world the goal they needed to secure the win. But there's definite signs of improvement and a win on Tuesday evening will be a massive boost to the squad and their chances of progressing out of Group A. And I'm happy to be joined by P-Mount captain and Irish international Karen Duggan. Karen, um, it was a good display on Thursday evening and just, just slightly unfortunate with the goal that uh, Ireland gave away against Sweden. Yeah, it was a good display. I think that we can look at negatives like we didn't keep the ball well enough and we didn't test them, but they're the second-ranked team in the world for a reason. So to come away with a 1-0 loss, it's not the end of the world. I think Sweden will go through the group undefeated, possibly. Um, tomorrow night's game is the big one. It, we said that from the start. They're the second-ranked team. That's the place we're looking to get into. Um, so tomorrow will be the gauge of how much progress this team has made over the last couple of years. Vera's been talking about the likes of the friendlies that she's been putting together against all these high-ranked teams, Australia and stuff like that. And is this part of what we're seeing now is that these girls are not afraid to go out against people who are ranked, or who are ranked higher than them? I don't think we've ever had a fear of that. Um, where we have struggled is teams like Finland where we're expected to um, gain a bit of possession and go at them and have an identity and attack. And Finland have played all their friendlies against teams who are ranked maybe a little bit higher, but are more in and around the challenge that Ireland will bring. So I'm really interested to see if us playing teams where we didn't dominate possession will actually pay dividends in a game like this where we want to go out and beat the opponent. Um, so I think that this will will tell a lot. I'm really intrigued to see how it went because I was a little bit sceptical. I understand the idea behind playing higher ranked teams, but at the same time, the thing that we do struggle with is when we are in possession, how we form attacks and how we get the best cohesion out of our forward lines because they don't get that much chance to play together. Um, and that was similarly the case against Sweden. We didn't have the ball and when we did, we were pretty much too tired to do anything and gain any momentum going forward. So um, the the confidence has grown. And I think that's a massive thing that we've gotten from playing those teams that we can compete with them. But tomorrow's game will tell if we can actually go and bring that to a team and go and beat them. Do you think the fact that the Georgia game didn't go ahead and that we have to start a campaign against Sweden at home, will that have affected them? Like if we've had a, if we go away to Georgia, we get the win there, lose to Sweden and then head into Finland, we're in a positive frame of mind even with a loss against Sweden. But now that we've lost against Sweden, is there more underlining in this Finland game because we start the group with two losses, pressure starts to mount. Yeah, it's unfortunate more so if, if Finland get a result, if Finland get the win, they've got nine points on the board against their zero. And that can kind of weigh in on you. That gap seems kind of substantial, even though they've played an extra game, that would be weighing on your mind a little bit. So it would have been nice to have those three points on the board. But then again, we have the Sweden game in such or we had the Finland game in such quick succession after Sweden that they know the level that they have to be at. They're up to the, the pace of the game now, the Georgia game would have been a little bit less, but they know the pace that they have to achieve now. They know the little mistakes that they need to cut out and now they need to go forward and attack. So they didn't get that chance against Georgia, which is unfortunate, but on, but on the flip side of that, the Australia game proved to be a fruitful one for us. We I can't remember the last time we would have scored three goals against a really good team. So I think that they need to capitalise on those positives and keep that in the forefront of their mind. Yeah, I suppose the fact that we 
had in that game we played against Australia, but it, it did leave Vera to see what type of other options she has. And um, Quinn, coming up in particular, has played really well. And we should be able to push on here. Do we, do we expect to win this game, even though it is away? Or do we think this is going to be tighter than most people are predicting? Oh, I think it's definitely going to be tight. Um, the Finns, the, while they're not ranked that high ahead of us, they have created a habit of winning. They went through their Euro qualifying campaign undefeated against teams like Portugal and Scotland. That's no mean feat. And they will be bring, brimming with confidence from that. Um, and they have those two wins under their belt against a very tricky Slovakia side who also only lost 1-0 to Sweden. So I think that they're going to prove a massive test. And I wouldn't be overly upset if we came away from a point to tomorrow's game and bring them back to Tala and have them have to come at us and attack with that home crowd behind us. Hopefully it'll be full capacity by the time we get to that game. But no, I don't think that tomorrow's task is something that we should be expecting to win. I think there's a very good chance that we could nick it, but it would be only nicking it. It would only be a goal in the difference either way, I would think, if there is going to be a winner tomorrow night. Yeah, a lot of people talking about the group and stuff like that. You've just mentioned them. I think Slovakia are going to be the dark horses in this to take points off teams, like particularly Finland. And as you said, they've only lost 2-1 to Finland. They lost 1-0 to Sweden. They're going to be quite dogged. And I think that might be a bit like the Ukraine in the last qualifying tournament. I think they might be the one that people slip up against. And that's where people, you if you beat your Finlands ahead of you, you're kind of looking to Slovakia to take points as well. Yeah, I completely agree. I was a bit shocked when I saw that they'd only lost by a goal in those two games that they've played. But they're a team that we're very familiar with. We seem to draw them an awful lot. And we, but while we have beaten them, it has, again, only been by that singular goal. We've never gone out and completely dominated the game start to finish and put goals up on the board and put them to bed early. And that's the thing we need to improve on against teams who are ranked lower than us in the groups we need to be putting them to bed not putting ourselves under pressure in those games a slip up against Slovakia is even worse than what happened against Ukraine a slip up against Slovakia kills the group for us Um, so if we get a point tomorrow and don't slip up against Slovakia we're in a really really good position but like you say I would be very wary of them because they are showing signs um, that they're very much up for this group that they're possibly eyeing that second pace as well despite the fact that they're four seeds and um, I, I wouldn't be writing them off by any means I wouldn't be underestimating them Fingers crossed you're live on the RTE2 coverage tomorrow evening. It's an early kickoff for Finland versus Ireland and hopefully by at least half-time and full-time you'll be analysing some good goals and a, a three points in the bag. Yeah, that's that's what we're hoping for. Um, it, it hasn't happened in a while in a, a competitive game, so this is the game where we really need to put our mark on and kind of shift into gear into that team that can compete for that second-place playoff spot. Excellent. Thanks very much, Karen. That's Karen Duggan there, ahead of the Ireland versus Finland game tomorrow night. As I said, it's live on RTE Television. Um, that's the end of the podcast for this week. Thanks for everybody for listening. Thanks to Graham. Thanks to Gary. And until next week, goodbye.